Hey guys, what's up? Matt here. This podcast is actually a team training that I'm doing, which is a Q&A between a bunch of my sales guys, about 30 or 40 of them. Um, so it's a whole bunch of questions. I don't know what they're going to ask, but they're probably going to ask me about sales, business, life, all that kind of stuff. So if you like this kind of content, make sure you like, subscribe, and the notification bell. If you're on the podcast, only make sure you share this. If you find it helpful, make sure you let us know. Give us a rating if you can. But I hope you guys enjoy this really, really in-depth chat with me and my sales team. If you listen to this podcast, you will make your first million within three years. I'm going to repeat that. You will make a million dollars within three years of the first episode you listen to. We don't want pikers. We're not here to save the manatees. We're here to make podcasts. You really want this. You listen and review. Put that coffee down. All right. So, but I want to know exactly what you guys want to know. So, uh, yeah, Yash, go for it, buddy. Yeah, that's yeah. A good question. Yeah, just a quick one. Um, so my question for you is like when you're on like an account, right, where it's like there's no guarantee, obviously, right? It's like a marketing package, something along the lines of that. There's no guarantee. But the company itself, the prospects are like interviewing other people where people are guaranteeing, like, you know, whatever, 60 appointments in their first 30 days, they're guaranteeing they'll make like a hundred grand in their first two months. My question to you is this, like, how can you pre-handle that or handle that objection because of the fact that no matter what frames I put in at the end of it, they're like, well, if you're confident enough, and then it just goes down the path of like, you guys can't guarantee it. And because they're already getting a guarantee and they have a guarantee for their own program, it's, it's hard to break that, if that makes sense. Okay. If it's something that you're constantly getting, consistently getting, then it's something that you need to have in your sales process. So I would have... I would have an element around it, probably around like problem awareness, maybe solution awareness and kind of like, like drag that in some sort of frame, you know, where it's around like, you know, like around solution awareness and you're like, okay, you know, because like, like, like nothing is guaranteed in life, you know what I mean? So something like that. And the reality is those guarantees are anyway, they're like, they're written in ways where you can't activate them always. Like, because what if the person signs up, they guarantee 100K a month, the person never lifts a finger, they're going to give them the money back? No, they're not. Why? Because they didn't do the things required, the A, the B, the C, the D, all the way through to Z, right? There's no way they're getting that money back. So it's a guarantee. The only thing you can guarantee is that you die, right? That you pay tax and then when you die, you pay more tax. Those are the only thing, the guarantees that you can have in life. Now, people can say guarantees, but I would love to have a look at it. It's like, hey, if you buy this thing, you guarantee this. Like, you can't even do that. The FTC guidelines dictate you cannot do that, right? You cannot guarantee results. Anyone who is doing that is you and them, right? Because like, there's going to be some really, really strict clauses around that. And so like, I'm not going to guarantee it because what if you don't do the work, right? So like, I think in, 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 in the solution or in this component where we talk about like, what are you currently, like, what have you been doing? You need to find out if they've been looking at things and what's prevented them from moving forward and all that kind of stuff and, and try and get that out of them and have a conscious thing. If they have been speaking to other people, what stopped them from moving forward? What is it that they like about the offering? What don't they like about the offering? They go, well, they guarantee their results and be like, well, I'd love to know more about that. And then from there, just dismantle the idea of a guarantee because it is um, but we can work on that if I can hear the if I can hear some of the calls because essentially yeah. it's, a, it's a pre-handle issue, not a handle issue, right? Because you can handle the yeah. guarantee, you can sort of handle it, but at the end of the day, it's sort of it's going to be more like logical. Way and it hasn't popped up too many times, but it's only happened like twice. But I just it was one of those objections where it was just like, it, <laughs> like yeah, without without calling them a moron, it's a difficult one because like the guarantee isn't real. All right, Brayden, you got a question? Yeah. 
like whenever I ask the imp- impact question, it almost never lands. So like, what's, what's like the dummy version of asking the impact question? Like what, what's a way to ask it? Where, where are so you asking? Does it? It, in problem awareness. Yeah. See, I don't really ever ask it in problem awareness. It's just too early. No, it's not that it's too early. It's just that like you have to feel it out whether or not it's worth asking. Right, like a, a, there's a, a lot of people swear by it, and Jeremy will always ask it in there and stuff like that. And I think there's a lot of people in here that would always ask it because they figured out a way to do it. And I think, you know what I mean. But I think it, it really kind of depends. Like, if if you can take them down a pathway where that question makes sense, then ask it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay, but you can ask it really casually. Okay, and is that having an impact on you anyway? Right. Or you can make it specific. Like if it's, if it's for, you know, like an investment account or something like that. And there, and the, and the problem is that they just, they haven't found a successful way to invest their money. Right. And you, then you, what you can do is you can contextualize it by going, okay. And is that, I guess, impacting the amount of money that you're willing to invest? Right. So you could ask it that way. It's much less personal. So you can ask the impact question either in a, in a, in a professional or, or in a personal capacity. Asking it in a personal capacity can be somewhat difficult if you don't feel comfortable uh, and, and you haven't, and you haven't built the appropriate amount of rapport because you can go, okay. And it's not being able to make that much money having an impact on you. They're just going to go, yeah, yeah, I guess. Right. Which is really the answer that you don't want to hear. So if you're getting that a lot, you can make it easier for yourself contextualize it, go, okay, and it's not being, is that, is that affecting your, the amount of money in which you're willing to invest? Or if it's like a marketing, okay, is that, is that, is that sort of affecting your sales conversions? Is that, a, you know what I mean? So you can put it in like a more of a professional sort of unemotional capacity, which will still get you a similar answer. But at the end of the day, like it's not, I don't think it's a necessary thing to ask. Right. Like if you feel like you can do it and you feel like you've got the prospect to open up and you feel like you're having that conversation, then ask that question. But don't ask questions just because it's there based off the conversation that you want to be having if you're not having it. Okay. That makes so, sense. Yeah. You, usually I'm asking it when I'm when I feel like I'm not going like it's not deep enough. And so I'll try to use that question and then it just lands flat. Well, so that's like, the opposite of really. Where you, it's the one that's the probably the time you really don't want to ask it. Okay. You know what I mean? Just ask, yeah. like ask a probing or a clarifying question, right? If you don't feel it's deep enough, then ask them a question about what they've just said. Okay. You know, like, what do you mean by that? Okay. Uh, you, know, you know what I mean? So you can, you can go a little bit down the garden path or just use that mirroring technique. So they're like, yeah, I just sort of, you know, want to be able to make more passive income. You're like passive income, right? Like th- get them to go a little bit further down the path then from there uncovered, then if you feel like it's appropriate, then you can ask the impact question. But if not, just go straight to rationale. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, Shane. Yeah. My question is about client expectations. Um, pretty much. I, I know that we're having conversations with a couple accounts um, about their marketing besides obviously hiring us on to come in and actually uh, teach them how to do marketing really well make it everything work really well. Um, is there anything else in short term besides asking for uh, lead magnets that could potentially get them uh, to kind of start getting their, I guess, getting their act together to really start driving leads? I mean, like I know they can't get talking about, it. I reached out to them yesterday and they said yeah. they're going to get a lead magnet up quick smart. But like, I mean, over all the stuff that we're doing, man, like we're, we were exhausting all resources. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like you guys are doing everything imaginable. So like at some stage, the hardware needs to be had, like, Hey, either you do this or we're out. 
that's just that's just the way it is, right? So with that account in particular, like I have I have high hopes for them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so other accounts I don't, you know. Yeah. So I'm putting the hard word on some people at the moment. I honestly think for you, Shane, it's about like it's about taking the bull by the horns early in the piece, and you know, when I was speaking to Will about this today. Is like we need to be more less. We we need to realize that we don't need them; they need us, and that like yeah. the way in which we speak is always polite and professional. But it's like, hey guys, you need to you need, you need to perform. You need to provide this. If you don't, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. You need to perform. And so give yeah, me that, a timeline. That, I think that time more time. so is like almost the question is like that conversation when it gets down to like, I want to say like that polite line in the sand moment, how the feel of that conversation would, would flow, right? Because obviously there's going to have to be a conversation with, you know, clients over time, regardless. Yeah. Right? I know that there's no such thing as a one-off. Everyone's going to have options down the road to, yeah. to do something different. The way that I do it is I say, hey man, like I've got people whose mouths need to be fed. I was like, yeah. you know, like we need to be able to look the salesperson in the eye and say, this is a good move for you and your family. And, if, and like right at the moment, I'm not really feeling that. So what are the action steps? What are the tangibles that you can do right now that you can show me in the next 24 hours that you're taking this as seriously as I am so that we can start to move the ball forward? Otherwise, I'm going to have to look for other opportunities. Which, like which, right, cool. which would be unfortunate. And it's like, so what are you doing? Right. And that's kind of, that's the way that I approach it. And sometimes they go, cool. And you go, all right, man, beat it. Like, if you're not willing to take this seriously, then I'm not willing to take it seriously. You know, but at the end of the day, this is just a weird game, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. well, I like that. It makes sense. Yeah. All right, Billy. Yeah, man. Uh, so when you, when somebody else sets a call for you and you listen to that triage and you feel that, maybe there was more effective path they could have gone to get to that problem. When I have the strategy call with them, would you recommend that I start from the top and go down that path? Or do you think I should just start right from the rationale and just, you know, go through solution awareness? The reality is the real problem will present itself sort of towards solution and consequence anyway. Okay. So like you've got to remember, like, I mean, basically the first 10 minutes of a call is filler that's just designed to get them into a funnel where you can have the conversation that you need to be having you know so like we don't need to uncover the real deep dark problem in the first five minutes because that problem like it's we're not selling essentially the we're selling the solution we're selling the outcome right like you're not selling the thing the widget the program the service we're selling the outcome you know so the outcome the run towards the runaway that tension created right is is really what's going to provide the urgency and the need to move forward and that's going to be a culmination. That that solution is only going to be like present or available or possible if multiple problems are solved. You know, so like I don't think we need to get too worked up about that. Solid, cool. Yeah. All right. Raise your hand for your next question because I can only see raised hands. Hey, Josh, how'd you go with your script? Oh, it's going pretty good. I mean, we're reviewing it every day. The partner objection solving. We can get at that. Sweet. Do you want to go through it? Yes, sir. All right. Cool. Hey man, yeah, it sounds pretty good. I just need to run about my spouse. So, um, if your partner was here in all four, right? But this still be the answer for you? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And what about specifically gives you the most benefit, man? I just feel like the X, the Y, and the Z. You know, it's really going to help me out and sort of put us on put us on the right path. Okay, so how does your partner feel about you having the right skills to really get to 150k in the next year? No, it's Josh. Well done. Right, like thanks. Good job, dude. Study, work hard, get result, outcome, sales, money, Lambos. Right? Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's really good, dude, because the last time when we when we went over that, it was it was garbage. 
right? That's really, really yeah, good. Yeah. That is, you should be happy, proud of yourself that you, you present, you knew exactly what you had to say. You knew exactly how to say it. That, that is well done, dude. Seriously. That's all. Awesome. Brandon. All right, Brandon, go for it. Yeah. So last week during the, one of the intensive, Matt, you mentioned specifically that you'd kind of struggled uh, with finding having peers kind of in, the, in your business social circle. Um, and while, yes, like we, we all know, like, hey, heavy is the head that wears a crown, especially with, with big goals, right? Like, I'm curious, what are some strategies that have helped you address that gap uh, on a social and like a personal level so that you can have the outlet and support that you need uh, or that you feel that you need in order to get where you're, you're trying to go? It's a very personal question, Brandon. Um, I'm just joking. That's fine. Um, so we have a board member, Kim, which is really good. Me and Mark have a very, very close relationship as well. Me and Will, like, I think I probably, um, like there are obviously certain things that I can't, that I won't talk about with everybody in terms of, of, of business, because like, you know, the, you know, just cause you know, sometimes this is not the case at the moment, but just for like, uh, argument's sake, like the captain won't always tell the crew if they're riding into a storm, right? Like it's not always appropriate to know, especially if you can't avoid it. Right. So it really, I have a board member um, who's a really, really successful guy. Um, I have a fantastic relationship with my parents as well, even though they are working in the business at the moment. But I still sort of, especially my dad, me and him chat a lot. And he's a very experienced business person. So I get to sort of talk to him. And then my wife is a great sounding board for me as well. But overall, like, uh, yeah, probably the board member, Kim. And then, you know, he's he's a very good sounding board for me to be able to um, have someone who's been there, done that, and be able to kind of... Uh, I guess make sure the ego doesn't get out of whack, which is, which is a big one. I'm also lucky that most of my friends are ex special operator guys who like I could be a trillionaire. No, so that's, that's always a good thing. Not that I'm not, not that I'm in danger of becoming that anytime soon. Right. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, I think that does, it, does that answer your question? Yep. Sweet. Uh, is that Ryan Powers? Yeah. 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 Is the answer get better at sales? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so specifically at Sniper, because obviously the talent pool and the work ethic and everything is a bit higher uh, at this company already. But I'm just curious what like qualities or what stands out for you when you look at somebody and you can tell that they're going to be a very, very good sales rep from a mile away if they don't have like the skill or the experience quite yet. But you're just like, hey, you're going to be good versus the the other reps that are around them. Like what stands out to you? It, uh, obviously I can't, I don't think I can hit it a hundred percent. However, if I can hear someone role play, I can usually tell by the decision making process, which they take. Like I'll give you an example. I don't know if Ashley's on this call, right? But Ashley is not a, not a super experienced salesperson, but I think that she's a really quality salesperson. And I heard her role play on inner circle cause she joined inner circle and I said, Oh yeah, she'll be good. Like, because I, I, it wasn't the fact that it's the script. It's like, you can, when, when you hear someone taking someone through a process and I can predict where they're going to go. And then I understand the choices that they've made and I agree with the choices. And I feel like I would have made similar choices. It doesn't matter about the execution of said choices because the decision making process is far harder to teach than what the execution is. I can teach someone how to say something, right? Teaching someone what to think in real time is very difficult. And so like usually, like Billy, for example, like I think Billy's a great example. Like I knew Billy would be good. Like I had, I just knew. I was like, yep, yeah, he's going to need some time. He's going to need a lot of reps, but like Billy will be good. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of other of you here. Like I, if I didn't believe in any of you, like you just, you wouldn't be here to be perfectly frank. So like it's, it's just, it's a series of like, I understand the decision making. And there are people that I've had conversations with where I've said, hey, 
I, I think you're great, but I, I don't really think you should probably sink a lot more time, effort, and energy into this. I think, you know what I mean? I would go like, in my opinion, this probably isn't for you. And I go, you can take that with what you want, but like, I'm, I, I don't feel the need. I could, I wouldn't allow you to like invest in sales training, for example. Like there are people that I have stopped from buying Inner Circle because I heard them and I'm like, it doesn't matter how much Inner Circle you buy. It's just not going to happen. Answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Cameron. Uh, so I was going to ask you, because I've got a cold list that I'm looking to warm up. I'm going to send through a nine-word email and call them and do a challenge. I was just wondering, like, how could I effectively set up a two-week challenge? Like, How often should I be in touch with them? How often should I send them content? Could you walk me through that? Yeah, I would just uh, I would send them something like every... I would do like a touch point every three days, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, do It's really interesting, right? When you're doing challenges, the reason why I know this is because I used to run for gyms is the halfway point is when everybody falls out. It doesn't matter the the drop-off yeah. point at the halfway. It doesn't matter if it's a two-week or a two-year challenge. There will be a tremendous drop-off at the halfway point. So like leading up to the halfway point, I would have like a lot more touch points, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, you know, you might have day one, day two, day three, day five, and then you might have day five, day six, day seven, day eight, day nine, and then you might have, you know what I mean? So like, okay. You're gonna, you're gonna, it's gonna be hard to over communicate. To be honest, in like a two week period, you could probably send them something every day. But if you don't want to send them every day, I'd probably send them like probably seven or eight things during the 14 days, and then stack them mm-hmm. more towards the beginning, middle, and end. So like, if you're okay. gonna take breaks, have the breaks on like day three, day four, and then have the breaks on like day, you know, uh, 11 and 12 type thing. Okay, and like with with that, like in terms of me sending them content, if I'm going to be sending them through like videos and things like that to do. Yeah, like how much is too much in that regard? Like if one day if I send them through like a 25 or 30 minute video, is that fine? Or if I send them something longer, is that going to be too much? Oh, the anyone's going to watch a 30 minute video to be honest. Okay, so like, like if, you, 15, if you have 10. a look at like say YouTube, which I think is probably a good a good uh, metric in order to do this, like YouTube wants you to have a seven minute average. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what really YouTube wants. Like that's their, that's their KPI, which they want people to have in order mm-hmm. to have a seven minute average. That's the reason why most videos are 15 to 17 minutes long. Right. Okay. Because if you have like a 40% watch time, you're doing very well to be perfectly okay. honest. So, you know, I would do something like seven to 12 minutes. Norris, just Yeah. And also how you're sending it and like what platform it's on is going to dictate that. Like you, doing a 12 minute video on Facebook isn't going to work. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But doing it on YouTube does work because people are on YouTube. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like most of the content that I would send people would be two minutes. Okay. Cause I'm planning on doing it through like, like sending it through email and like letting them know through text. If right, you do short of- bursts of content, like short bursts, two to three minutes, and then you might do one or two longer ones. Okay. Right? No. But if you're sending it to people at 10 o'clock on a Monday, like they're not going to watch a 25 minute video. And then by the time no. they get home that night, they're going to forget about it. Mm-hmm. Right. So like the timing, the platform and what your intent is, is going to, is what's going to dictate the medium and, and length in which you use. Yeah. Okay. Cause I was thinking about 2 PM. Cause from what I've seen, like that's generally when I have the highest open, right? Yeah. That's fine. Again, uh, two minutes, man, two to three minutes. Yeah. Not a problem. Like then people will watch it. Other than that, if you're, if you're at 2 PM, you're sending me a 25 minute video or a 10 minute video. Like there's no way I watch that. <laughs> yeah. Not a problem. Well, cheers. Thank you. Awesome. Billy. Is there any further way to pre-handle a partner objection other than just during the sales call? How does your partner feel about you possibly learning the skills um, and just addressing it? Like, is there any any further thing that you can do to really tie that down um, so that way it doesn't come up later? 
Like I think you can you can ask what the decision making process is. Right? So you can go, so 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 help me understand what's the decision making process that you would have around learning the skills to XYZ. Right? And they're gonna tell you, well, I need to run across my husband and stuff like that. You can be like, okay, do you feel like your husband's supportive of you doing the XY? That's all you can do, man. Cool. You know? You can do the secret mission thing as well. You know. Like, are you, are you, do you have a, you know, does your partner know that we're on this call? Or do you, are we on a bit of a secret mission? That's a bit more of a B2C way to do it. A bit more of a B2B or a bit more if you're dealing with more professionals. It's like, okay, can you help me understand the decision-making process around learning the skills to be able to X, Y, Z? If you say it real calmly, they'll go, yeah, yeah, for sure. I need to speak to my, my rabbi and my tattooist. And you're like, okay, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Alex. What does a, if somebody says something to you that is a clear indicator that a trust objection is going to happen at the end of the call, what does a pre-handle for a trust objection look like? Did you help me understand what you mean by if someone who clearly states says something that's going to be a trust objection? Like, you know, I've looked into stuff like this in the past and you never know what's a scam and what's not. Something like that. Okay. Then it just, you got to address that straight up. Go, okay, well, can you help me understand like where you scammed in the past? And they go, well, it's like, you know, I did a program here and I wasn't really, okay. So you got to address that there and then as part of your solution awareness, right? So it's like, what do you think held you back from having success with that approach? Do you know what I mean? Like, and because if they go, well, you never know what's a scam and they never tried anything. We go, if you never tried anything, how would you know if anything is a scam? Mm-hmm. Right? So what's held you back from actually looking into getting the help? Is it the fact that you think everything's a scam? Because you think everything's a scam, like then like why, you know, there's not much I can do for you because if that's your, if that's what you're thinking going in that, then that's something that we're not going to be able to move forward from because there's no amount of things that I can send you, Mona, things that anyone can do to convince you that it's not a scam if you've already predetermined that. So is it possible, right, that you thinking everything's a scam is perhaps maybe possibly part of the reason why you haven't figured out how to solve this problem? Yeah, maybe. And are you open to kind of looking at things in a different way? Yeah, I am. Okay, but why? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All right. The tonality is important on that. Slow it right down. Serious business type stuff. Yeah. You can do the whole Jeremy look around and go, hey, man, off the record. Why do you think it's a scam? Right? Do you know what I mean? Stuff like that. But you got to address it there and then you can't like, you can't like, that's one of those things. Like there are lots of problems that you can encounter in a sales call where you can, you can go, I can address that later. But something like that, you have to kind of address it there and then. Right. Sure. Okay. All right. The man, the myth, the legend. Brayton. Uh, excuse me. Yeah. For uh, pre-handling partner, do you see any issue with handling it in solution awareness when they're starting to, build out like their dream and they're like, Oh, I take my wife X, Y, Z like doing it there. Do you feel like it would take away from building out that vision or is it okay to bake it in there? No, I think if it's working, do it. Okay. You know, man, I'd be a crazy person to say, stop doing something that's working. <laughs> See what I mean? Like I remember like, cause I like, for example, like in, in like, if you look at any PQ, like I stack my questions slightly differently because it works better for me that way. Like I like that question where it's like, and how what with what you have in place now, how close are you? Yada yada yada. I have that question right at the end 
of solution mm-hmm. and then go straight. Whereas that's more towards the middle, right? Whereas for me, like that, that question lands way better if I'm able to build more of a vision out first. And so like, but the way Jeremy does, he doesn't do it that way. You know what I tell Jeremy to change it? Probably not because it's working fairly well for him, <laughs> right? Um, but like, you know, back in the day, it used to be problem, consequence, solution. And then he moved it to problem, solution, consequence, you know? So, so there's always got to like, you can innovate. You just want to like, um, you just need to be able to like kind of justify your choices, I think, you know, mm-hmm. and, and be like, you're not changing yeah. things for changing things sake, but you're just like, yeah, okay. I think like if I can put this in here and you trial it out, test it, adjust it, have a look at the worded, the verbiage that you're using and then the efficacy of what you're doing. And then from there, if it, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, doesn't, I wouldn't have any sort of like emotional attachment. Same reason why like I, I put the, the price for the most part at the top of the pitch uh, or presentation, but some people do, some people don't. And then there's really a right way to do that or a wrong way. I just think it really depends on the person. Okay. Sounds good. You, you, uh, Billy, you again? Yeah, man. Uh, so I've heard people talk about heavy is the head that wears the crown. Um, I have an idea of what that frame is, but I don't really know like how to use it or what it's for. Would you mind ex- explaining like what, yeah, for what, sure. what so, you'd say? Yeah, for sure. So it's just, it's a leadership thing, right? So there is a burden that comes with responsibility, you know, as uh, Spider-Man's uncle, whatever his name is, Uncle Ben once said, with great power comes great responsibility, right? So like, the burden of leadership, whether it be in a home or in a business or in whatever, an industry, is the fact that you have to make difficult decisions. So heavy is the head that wears the crown is a saying that goes way back. And it's not because the crowns are physically heavy. It's because the burden of responsibility, the weight on someone's shoulders who is making decisions for a large group of individuals is a heavy weight to bear, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the burden that leaders have to have. It's it's the burden that fathers and mothers have. It's the burden that business owners have, right? Uh, Which requires them to make the decision. And asking other people to make the decision for them is unfair to them. Mm. So if you are the leader, if you are the owner, if you are the, the, the person who wears the crown, then the burden of the decision lies on you and no one else. And to put that burden on somebody else who is ill-equipped or not ready or doesn't realize that they hold it is unfair to them. So this is not your wife's decision. This is not your husband's decision. This is not your CMO or or GM's decision. This is your decision. Mm. And what do you feel like puts you in the best position possible to be able to achieve the outcome? Because this is a buck that cannot be passed. Make sense? Good. Yep. Cool. All right, next. I can't see names. I don't want to wear my glasses. Me. Yeah. Josh. So, Matt, I know you had that that last talk. I think it was about last week when you were talking about kind of just like your journey as a whole as a sales rep. And I guess for you, when you were in that period when you said that, you know, you had the, the taxes due and and, and um, you had about 4K in the bank, how did you really go about remaining unattached on those calls and really putting in that work and getting that end result that you needed with remaining kind of probably unattached. Like, I mean, man, I'd love to say that. Yeah. Just killing it. This is pre NAPQ, man. Like, I don't know what I was doing. Right. Yeah. I just worked. And so, 
you know, I had a, I had a, I had a meeting with a guy the other day and he's like, oh, my certainty in the offer is low. I was like, well, it was a good offer. He's like, yeah, but I was like, all right, we shut the, is the certainty that you want to provide for your family high? Yes. Then use that. Right. Like, you know, it is what it is, right? Like people will jump out of a burning building to be pre- prevent, to prevent from being burned alive and they'll fall to their death. Right. So it's like, I think like, um, you know, I knew how to sell what I was selling. I don't think I sold it particularly eloquently, but I think I sold it effectively. Yeah. Um, and so I knew that I could sell it and I knew my numbers. And so I think like, uh, knowing your numbers is like a, it's a, it's a, it's a great level of freedom. I was chatting to mm-hmm. John the other day and he said to me, he goes, you know, he's real stressed. I don't know if John's here. It's like, how do I make more sales than last month? I was like, I don't know. What if you get less sales calls? He's like, huh? I was like, just stop. Stop stressing. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, time is going to take time. And, and, and I think this is something that I need, I want all of you all to realize. Like, who here wants to make 50 grand a month? Okay. Who here would be happy to do that in half the time it took me? Congratulations. You've all got five years. <clears throat> right? It took me 10 years, full time selling. Okay, who here has been selling for 10 years full-time? Anybody? So I've been selling for 13 at this point, right? Patrick, yeah, but you already make it. So you're good, bro, right? <laughs> so, see, so like, right, like you guys, like I think, you know, one of the great things about this company is that we have an incredibly group of ambitious young people who 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 want to do big things and change the world and, they want to do that, but I think one of the downsides of that is that you guys get together and you and unfortunately you have well, fortunately and unfortunately you have examples of people who have done right. But right now you guys are seeing the product. You see people like Patrick and you see people like me and you see people like Marco and all these people and like all you're seeing is the final product. You're not seeing the versions of that, right? It took me ten years of grinding away being relatively bad at sales and just working very hard to put myself in a position where when I learned the right skills, it very quickly ramped up, right? But there's a a large base of experience there that I think is probably maybe not spoken about enough, but I think it's not thought, it's probably spoke, it's probably not thought about enough in real terms. If all of you are happy to take half the length of me, which means that you are twice as talented as me at sales, which to be honest, a lot of you are, right? Like you're so much further ahead than I was at the same time. It's not even funny. And I'm older than a lot of you physically, but I'm also, you know, even the guys that I'm not, I've been in the game a lot longer, right? And Jeremy's been in the game a lot longer than me. I've been selling for 13 years. He's been selling for 25, right? So like I've got a long way to go before I could, before I would even pretend to be, to even like consider being on the same level as him, right? Where he is today, not where he's going to be in 10 years, right? So like if all of you are happy with doing it in half the time it took me, then you guys have got five years. So if you've been selling for two, fantastic. You got three years left before you did it in half the amount of time I did. And if all of you are happy with that, then you should write that down and go, I will be happy to do it twice as fast as Matt. I think it's a good goal, you know? I made between 60 and 80 grand a year for my first eight years of selling Aussie, you know, you guys are in a position where you're probably going to make more than that, like, which is great, but like, that's the reality, 
you know? So I think don't lose your ambition and don't lose your motivation, but focus on identifying small things that you can do better. And, and don't focus on how you make the number go up. Focus on how you move the needle in individual aspects of what you're doing to where the, to where the number can go up. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, any other questions? Yeah, I got a question, Matt. Um, thanks yeah. for that, by the way. Um, yeah, it's a topic you haven't covered for a really long time, but non-buyer language. How to identify it with it, especially for biz ops? Oh, yeah. I think like, uh, you know, the, the, thing that, the thing that I always have in the back of my head is that like if I was, was going to buy this, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the example that I, always, that I always give is like the people who, like, like I've, I've, I've done, I've gone looking for houses when I was genuinely going to buy a house and I've gone looking for houses when we were looking at the market because in the next 12 months we were going to go and buy a house, Right. Yeah. And if I have a look at the way that I act in each scenario, it's very different, right? Because like I can be so open and transparent, right? Because I know I'm not going to buy it. So because I like I, I don't need to leave any cards on the table. Yeah. Right. Whereas like when I've when I've gone in to actually buy a house, bro, it's like Stonewall. And to get me to open up takes a little bit of skill because I don't want to give you any leverage because I don't want you to know that I love it. Right. So that's, that's always what it is for me. It's like when there's a, there's a couple more things like few, like lots and lots of future paced language is a bit of a red flag for me. Right. Okay. Wow. People being overly sharing too much or, or going down the process too easily is a bit of a red flag for me. And so that's where it, like where usually you'll run into a stone walls and consequence question. So you need to make sure that you do your due diligence and solution awareness to make sure that you get enough leverage to where like uh, consequence is actually a thing that can be done with any degree of effectiveness. And those are really sort of the things. And it's just like, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awesome. I think that analogy just hit home because I've been doing, we've been looking at houses for the fun of it. <laughs> and it's totally different from if when we'll be ready to put in an offer. This so. is where the kids will go. <laughs> It'll be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you yeah, go to look, not, to actually look, you're like, this house sucks. Look yeah. at these floorboards, these pieces. Thing. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, you're like oh, the view is yeah. north, northeast, not north. This is, right? like, you know, you have a different way of looking at things. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alex. Um, when you say future pacing language, what does that mean? So it's always like, I will, uh, you know, everything's, everything's in the future. So nothing is grounded in reality or today. Okay. Right. So if someone's always like, yeah, man, when I, or like, if I, you know what I mean? Like, um, like if when they're talking about, pro- like you hear it a lot in problem awareness because solution awareness yeah. is, is future pacing, but you'll hear this like, sort of non-committal future-based language about like, you know, like if their problem is they can't get leads and they start talking about like, you know, when we scale it up to 300 grand and this, you know what I mean? Like they're just talking, you know, that's like, yeah. well, we need to ground in reality, you know, like let's talk about the problems that you have today. And those people like people who like won't address the elephant in the room or people are people who are like refusing, they're sort of like refusing to admit what's happening which means that they're not really ready, at least at that particular time, to consider failure, success, all that kind of stuff, because they think that they're that the problems aren't real. 
So like, how do you deal with that? Do you just like stop the call, have like a come to Jesus moment and try to ground them in reality? Like what's the strategy for that? Like hopefully it sorts itself out in solution and consequence. But if you feel like it's not, then I would do like a tactical vulnerability story. Okay. Have I mentioned that with you guys for a long time? I don't think I have. So tactical yeah, vulnerability for eight months. Yeah, a tactical vulnerability story is something where like you'd use it, where it's a story that you crafted. So for me, it's usually a story about like the the first time. Well, I have not told it in a very long time. I remember it. Do you? That's creepy. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so, but but basically, it's a story that's designed to sort of overcome a few objections, but allow you to become allow you to show your vulnerability to the prospect so they feel comfortable to, to be vulnerable. Vulnerability is like a handshake, right? Like it's, it has to be, you have to put it out there in order to get it back. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like if someone puts their hand out, I put my hand out and I shake it naturally. If I put my hand out, somebody naturally just because of social convention will shake my hand, right? So it sort of acts in the same way where if someone's not being vulnerable and you're not being vulnerable because you're the sales guy and there's really not necessarily a reason for you to be at that particular time. But if they're not able or willing to go to that place, which they need to in order for you to make the sale because it takes a level of vulnerability to tell someone your goal. That's why they tell people like say their goals out loud, right? You know, I want to lose 10 pounds, whatever, right? Like tell people, post it on Facebook, whatever, because that's a vulnerability. It makes it more real. Okay. So right. if someone's not willing to go there, then from there you can tell the story. So for me, the one that I used to always do, and I, it's been a long time since I've told this, so it's probably not going to be as eloquent or whatever is what it used to be. But I go, hey man, like, let me tell you a story about like when I was in kind of a, I guess like the, the, the journey that kind of led me to be here. And so I used to own a gym and the gym was in a place called Bonnet Junction. And it's a really, really busy area. There's actually 54 other gyms in the area. Right. And I remember like I was a PT at like a large box gym and, you know, I'd saved up a little bit of money and then I was like, Hey, if I build it, they will come. Right. <clears throat> and so we built this gym and lo and behold, they didn't come. Right. I, I had a stark reality that I did not know how to do sales and marketing. I just knew how to train people, which just really wasn't enough, unfortunately. Um, so we, we tried everything. Like I handed out flyers. I handed, I hired chicks to like hand out flyers for me. I wore a gorilla suit and did free body fat assessments. Right. And so I did everything in my power that I knew I could at the time because I didn't had a lack of knowledge in the area. And so I saw this Facebook ad and it was for uh, basically how to, how to generate a hundred leads per month in your fitness business. And I was like, well, that would solve at the time. I thought it would solve all my problems. So I remember it was a free seminar or something like that. I remember it was at like 9.30 at night because it was at like, it was for gym owners, right? So gym owners don't finish until like nine o'clock. So it was 9.30. I remember I was tired, right? Just from a whole day of doing stupid stuff to be perfectly honest. But I was at the gym from like 6 a.m. I remember calling my then girlfriend, now wife on the way. And I was like, I can't be doing this. Like, it's just a, you know, another guy trying to flog shit online. She was like, no, 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 you should go. She's like, what? Like, she goes, like, what have you got to lose? And I was like, okay. So now I went to the place, sat down, and sure enough, the guy presented a pretty valid argument. Uh, he had a lot of case studies, testimonials, and he had examples of what he'd done in his seven gyms. So I was like, okay, this guy probably knows what he's doing. So at the end of it, they said, hey guys, it's an eight week course. It's it's it's. I, th- I think it was, I think it was like sixty three hundred. I didn't have sixty three hundred, right? <laughs> Um, but like we can all get money. Like I didn't have access to it in cash, but like I, I could sort of like, I, I could, I could make it work. And so I left the room 
it was still kind of going. I left the room and I called my dad and I went, hey man, like this is what's going on. This is what they're asking. And he goes like, well, do you think it'll work? And I go, it, it seems like it will. And I, he goes, he asked me a question. He goes, if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? I said, if I knew I couldn't fail, I would do it. And he said, well, I didn't raise you to act as if you're going to fail. I said, okay. So I went back in. I told the guy, I go, I don't have the money now, but I can probably do like a three pay. I was like, I was like, oh, I'll do this. Like I can put two and a half grand. I had like two credit cards on me or whatever. I didn't ask, I had a business partner at the time. Didn't ask him. <laughs> so I just kind of put it down. And I was like, sweet. And I went away next day. I had to have a chat with that business owner, with my co-owner. And go, hey man, congratulations. I've got a great, I've got great news for you. I've signed us up to a program with $6,300. It's going to teach us how to get 100 leads a month. He lost it, to be perfectly honest. And so I sat him down after he calmed down. I said, man, like we've tried everything that we know how to do that's within our power. And I, I think we have to start doing things in a different way because all the decisions that we've made up until now has ultimately led us to be in a position where we are imminently going to fail. So like, I don't see any other way. Like, I'm just going to dive into this as hard as I could. And it was an eight-week course, and I completed the entire course in 72 hours. And then by the end of that first month, because I had to make a second payment, by the end of that first month, I had learned enough to generate about 80 leads and make about 20 sales, right? And so I made enough to be able to then pay the second part of the course. And then throughout that process, I became the top guy in the course, and then from there, did a few other things with him. But I learned an important lesson on that day, and it was like... I just had to do what I had to do to put myself in a position where I could succeed. Right? But like, let me ask you a question. And it's a question. Does that make sense? Right? So now that story it is very specifically written. Right? It is true, by the way. But it, there's some areas of it where I've emphasized certain things. So it's designed to cut through a lot of objections. The first one is like business partner and spouse, they're gone, right? The second one is money because, you know, we can all find the money, right? And then I'll ask for agreements and they'll give it back to me, right? And then it's like doing something in a different way to get a different outcome. And then what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail and doing the things required and believing in yourself, right? And by doing it in a story where it's me, it allows them to make themselves the protagonist. And so... Um, like it's, it's less likely, like they're, they're, sorry, they're more likely to put themselves in that position and think introspectively instead of me, like asking them questions about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Uh, is that Lorenzo? Who is that? Who is, who is that with baseball cap on? Josh? Josh, Josh Emery? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like looking back, when you look at like sales and like business, is there any like concepts that like that you think like you should like like focus on learning like like lead generation to help you get better at like selling? Like maybe like studying it, or, like like maybe like uh, learning it, like any books to look at that like help you like become even better. Like take this one of the things that helped level. me was learning how to do copywriting. Okay. Learning how to copyright, and John Benson's got a great YouTube channel, right? He has a bunch of free stuff. I, I did his 3X VSL training years ago, and that really helped me, I think, understand. I think what copywriters do better than anyone else is they understand the journey that someone has to go through where they are going to be in a position to buy, 
right? And would I would I change any PQ around it? No, because any PQ is actually basically copywriting 101, right? You have unaware, aware, problem aware, solution aware, brand aware, right? So those are like your five stages of how you take someone through and someone's not going to buy unless they're problem aware, solution aware, and brand aware, right? And, and so like any PQ has a, it runs through a similar process. But I think understanding copywriting is a good one. Having a good understanding of how marketing works from a basic level so that you can sort of temper your expectations based off where they're coming in. Like if I'm getting TikTok leads, I I would not be frustrated by a high no-show rate with low quality because it's going to be a high no-show rate with low quality. <laughs> right? Like I don't know why you'd be frustrated by that. You know, even if you have a look at some of the accounts we're on, like Ryan Powers can say, like we have one account where it's a lead magnet and a webinar. The webinar leads are far better, you know, but we need the lead magnet leads for the volume because we can have outbound and we can create opportunities there and there's opportunities to be had. Just the sales process is going to be slightly different. So I think having an understanding of of how that works and, and how, you know, sales and marketing isn't sales and marketing. It's just client acquisition. And so the more... The more you can have an understanding about that, I think the more freedom it gives you to be more contextual about things, um, which I, I think makes it easier emotionally to deal with the ups and downs because you have a better understanding as to where they're coming from. You don't just blame yourself. Don't get me wrong. I think sometimes you should blame yourself, especially if you're to blame. But I think for the most part, most of you, at least the ones in this Zoom call, are, are doing the right things on a fairly regular basis. So. You know, as long as you're doing your things and, you know, like I said, I was pretty rough yesterday, but, you know, if you're not going to ask everyone for a referral, if you're not going to do all the things that I've, I've told you and taught you to do, then it's, yeah, it's your fault. But if you are doing those things and having an understanding as to why certain things are happening, like I think, I think that just helps you out for the long term and stops you from banging your head against a wall. Uh, I can do one more question just so you know. Who's that person that's miles away from the camera? Is that me? Well, I'm my hands up. Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, um, yeah, I was. It was more about uh, to do with creating urgency on the call. Like I, I've been running into a few like I'm not ready objections, which aren't based in fear. I handled that side of it, but more just speaking generally to how you go about creating more urgency for them to act. Like I guess because something I'm always trying to improve upon is maybe my ability to close it on the day uh, in that sense as well. You know, I think if, I think, I think, you know, if you'd have to have a look at the upstream first, have a look at how much tension is being created in this, in the solution, then also the consequence. Like, is the consequence being done well? Right. Like, really have a look at that. Am I really, am I allowing people to skirt and sidestep the questions that I'm asking? Because, like, I'm, I'm not able to sit there in the uncomfortable silence of asking someone, like, what are the day to day ramifications if you never figure out how to make more money? But it, it shouldn't even be that. It should be one of the day-to-day ramifications of you never figuring out how to, and then you should insert that emotional driver, which you've got in solution, right? So assuming that's being done correctly, right, then it's a logistical thing if it's not fear. So if it's logistical, mm-hmm. I don't know what I don't know what it, 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 it sort of would be, and and potentially that person just needs come to Jesus moment and, and turning on the evangelist every now and then doesn't hurt. You know? Yeah. Well, if, um, if we've not, talked about yeah, this specifically as like real estate agents, like don't like to make decisions period. Or are they just like classic, like overthinkers? So 
that's that's a bit industry specific, but it is like how do we? I, I get what you're talking about is instilling that in the consequence section and just making them sit in the, a little bit. Um, that's the only thing that I can that I just, can do. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it, it just depends, are, are there any preframes that you use like earlier upstream from that? Like, because like you know, like classic is like setting the agenda at the beginning. Like, we're going to make a decision on this call. Like, I'm not saying that's what we're going to do, but like that would be like that. I think the only thing that I can think of is, is anchoring it to like the thing that I like the idea of. And again, like you've sold that account so much more than me that I like the idea of is anchoring it against the person who in their office is really successful and the person who is not, and then othering them, you know, like if you guys were on the, on the challenge that we just did, like I'm anchoring throughout the whole thing. The whole thing is like, you guys are the ones that showed up. You're the consistent, the congruent, the top 1%, the ones that are doing the thing required to get the outcome. The other people are not doing that. The people who are not willing to be in the 1%, they are not willing to, right? The fact that you guys showed up shows me that you are willing to. So it's like, do you want to make that? It's it's about othering people, right? And And people always want to be on the winning side. And so for that, it would be, you know, I think, what what I would look at doing and what the idea that I've kind of, I think we've spoken about before is like, hey, like who is an example of someone who you think is an exemplary agent, right? Besides Ryan. They might go, this guy. And you go, okay, what is it about this guy? And then from there, maneuver that conversation to decisive decision-making action taker, right? Yeah. And then Bridget. and then from there, go, well, who who is an example? And this is just between me and you, and this is off the record. Who is an example of someone who's in your life right now who you do not think, who you want to stay away from, who you look at, and in the future, if you are like them, you want to put a gun in your mouth. It's like, oh, Jerry. What is it about Jerry? Right? And then from there, anchor Charlie and Jerry. Right? Like, anchor them the whole way through and make them make a decision to be Jerry or Charlie. Yeah. You know? Like, like what is it about him? He should be doing the same for 10 years, never moves. GCI never goes up, never goes down. He's always complaining about the leads. Like that person doesn't sound like someone who gets after. It sounds like someone who's going to, you know, like, and you can go, you know, sales guy to sales guy, the guy who goes away and thinks about it. The prospect that never gets back to you. The guy that goes and sees 25 houses, but can't make a decision because change is scary. Yeah. Right. And then anchor that and like use the fact that there's salespeople to your advantage. You know, I think if we can war game something like that, and at the end of the day, yeah. all we can do is something like that. We can try it, see if it makes a difference. Will it make a massive difference? Probably not. Will it make a difference? Hopefully it does. Hopefully it moves the needle by three or four percent. That's a win. Yeah, the anchoring thing I can figure out. That's that's good. I'll play with that one to start with. Thank you. Perfect. All right, guys, I gotta run. Thanks. Don't be a Jerry. Don't be a Jerry. <laughs> I barely swore throughout this whole thing. Look at that. Fascinating. Uh, all right, guys, have a great day. Hope you're all killing it. And uh, don't be a Jerry. Bye. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only.